Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Nate Abarea is my name. Tweet me at WST and tweet all of us at World Soccer Talk. Roy Yates of the LFC Supporters Club here in America and the Reds in America website is with us. And Roy, I'm going to talk to you now about your, your pathway to the States. When did you actually move uh, first, first off across the Atlantic? I first came over in 1987. I was here for a couple of years, and then I went back to Europe. I didn't actually go back to the U.K. I used to work for uh, British tour operators, so I was living and working in Spain in the summer and Austria uh, skiing in the winter. Um, and then I was on the cruise ships for U.K. Uh, cruise operator until 2000, and then I officially came off the ships in 2001, and that's where I sort of settled down full-time in South Florida, but I've actually had a house in South Florida since 1987. So skiing in Austria and cruising the waters uh, around, around the European continent doesn't sound like a half-bad gig, i got to say, Roy. Uh, it beats working. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about the, the original idea of, of starting up a, a Liverpool supporters club, how your role grew, and, and just the, the, the overall concept of, of what you tried to, to start up and what you've been a part of. When I settled down first in uh, 2001 in South Florida, as far as I know, there was only uh, three or four Liverpool supporters clubs then. There was obviously New York and Boston, Chicago, uh, and there was nothing in South Florida. So we set the started in Fort Lauderdale in 2001, um, and obviously that grew from there. But what was difficult was I was getting emails and phone calls from people in areas which Really, there was no traditional uh, hub of Liverpool sports, you know, place like Iowa and Hawaii, whatever. So I thought it might be nice if we try and get everybody together. So that was sort of the idea, getting Reds in America up and running. So basically, every week I send out a newsletter which goes out throughout the U.S., uh, Canada, and actually throughout the world, and just keeps people updated about what's going on, not only in the U.S., but back home as well. Uh, and it's grown from obviously about 10 people in South Florida. We have about, about 10,500 on the email list now throughout the United States and overseas. So it, it's been great. Um, we, it's nice when Liverpool come over to the U.S. To, to meet some of the people and obviously put a face to, a, to an email address because um, there are Reds in every single state in the U.S. now. 
Oh, and shout out to a couple of people who are on that email, a couple of groups, I should say, that are on uh, that email list. My good friends from LFC San Francisco watching down there at the uh, the Kizar Pub, as well as the folks I got to actually watch a match with back in October, way down in uh, San Diego, the LFC San Diego Supporters Clubs. Definitely all about the Reds in America website and the email newsletter uh, that you speak of, Roy. So so cheers to you on, on those fronts, without a doubt. And I got to ask you now about one of the other main things that you do, and I should say one of the coolest things uh, that you do, which is helping to bring LFC legends to America for for everything from from meet and greets to, to actual speaking engagements. And I understand there's, there's one coming up real soon uh, down in Florida. You care to tell us about this? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, this Saturday at the, uh, the Harp and Celt in Orlando, uh, we've got former Liverpool captain and Republic of Ireland legend Ronnie Whelan will be speaking. Um, I've actually worked with Ronnie many times, and he is one of the best. Great talker, very entertaining, uh, and you can pay on the door. Uh, it's $20, and it's well worth it to me, a Liverpool legend. And even, I've got to be honest, if you're not a Liverpool supporter, you're not even Irish, you'll still enjoy the night, some great uh, footy stories. Um, and so, yeah, that's this Saturday um, from uh, 8 o'clock, pay on the door at the Harp and Kells in Orlando. Uh, but as I say, Ronnie is uh, one of many we've brought over, or I've brought over since 2001. How I actually started, wasn't it? When I was cruise directing the cruise ships, my very last cruise was a, it was a wonderful thing for me. It was the reunion of the 1966 England World Cup winning team because actually the cruise coincided with the final game at Wembley Stadium against Germany. So the, the company I was working for, Air Tour, some crews at the time, decided to put on this cruise, sailing from Southampton down uh, northern France, down to Spain, the Canary Islands, and back. Um, so we had uh, 10 of the former players on board for the whole two weeks. So, you know, the chance to sit down, watch the 1966 World Cup final with Jeff Hurst on one side, I mean, Gordon Banks on the other. I mean, that's certain dreams are made of those situations, and it was absolutely wonderful. And it was, you know, obviously, God rest his soul, Alan Ball was on board, and he, he was just terrific. Um, and we, it was just a great two weeks. Then that, after the cruise, I decided, well, maybe we can replicate this by bringing the players over to the U.S. So in 2001, in October, uh, we brought five of the former players over. That was uh, George Cohen, Alan Ball, uh, Jack Charlton, uh, the great Roger Hunt. Um, and what we did, we did various uh, venues in Florida. Unfortunately, it was very bad timing, not, not that we could do the battles, because obviously uh, September 11th hit in September, and the, the event was in the October, so it obviously cut down ticket sales. So it, it was, a, it, it was a, a tough learning curve, that one, uh, but it couldn't be helped. But great memories, which you couldn't buy, and you know, all those guys, absolutely wonderful. Um, and then after that, the following year, we brought over... Uh, Emily Hughes, and he was just terrific. Uh, and then Tommy Smith, we've had Ian St. John, Ian Callahan, David Fairclough, just legends after legends. And, and they're all, all fantastic in their own ways. Um, and obviously some of the stories they bring to the events, they're, they're just wonderful. Now, Roy, I want to ask you about something because you, you are a scouser through and through. You are a, a, a supporter of Liverpool as, as your, your boyhood club and, and everything that goes with that. 
a lot of the people in these Liverpool supporters clubs here in America are, are obviously not Scousers who, who grew up on Merseyside, who, who may may not know the, the deep history of, of all these players and know the history of this club. What does that mean to you being being the sort of ambassador to this this new wave of of Liverpool fans and, and people who want to be true Reds here in America to be able to to introduce them to to names like Ronnie Whelan or introduce them to to any of those names that, that you bring up? What does that what does that mean to you? Well, I find it amazing, first of all, that the the uh, newer fans to Liverpool, obviously the Americans they're so passionate. I mean, there was a game uh, in Boston uh, last time Liverpool came over, and I was in the crowd, and obviously everybody's singing, and there was these young American lads next to me. They knew every word of every verse of songs I didn't even know, and I've been supporting Liverpool nearly 50 years, and I thought that is absolutely incredible. You know, to have that passion and the fervor and to learn all these songs. And some of the songs were quite obscure. I knew them, but I, I don't even say I knew the, knew the words 30 years ago. Uh, it's all obviously on YouTube now. You can pick up every, all the words or whatever. Um, but I think it's absolutely terrific. And you're talking about, obviously, Liverpool legends coming over. Uh, a lot of the younger American uh, supporters won't know. But we, one of my proudest moments was... We brought over in Callahan, obviously, Liverpool's uh, most appearances, I think 856 appearances for Liverpool. And he'd, he'd never done really anything like this before. And the, the first venue was Boston. And he, he was concerned because, obviously, um, he, most of the players, or, sorry, most of the fans, uh, younger fans, he thought would never heard of him. So he was expecting 20, 30 people to be in the bar. We walk in the bar, there must have been 150 people, and I'd say of those 150, 100 were young American fans, and the place just went ballistic when he walked in. And I think it, it, he was tearing up, he couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, obviously people had, had gone on YouTube, they'd gone on Wikipedia, whatever, and they realized what a legend he was. Uh, and on the night, also in the bar, was Steve Nichol, and he was, he was still. Um, uh, coach at New England then and Steve actually said to me he goes not many uh, players I'd come drive down for but said Ian Callahan he's a Liverpool legend and he is a legend and on that night uh, the young American fans really learned what sport Liverpool is all about the history you know Cali spoke about uh, Shankly Paisley Fagan you know the good days the bad days and he was just wonderful and that, that's what's being a Liverpool sport is all about. It is the history and the passion uh, of the club. That's absolutely beautiful. And, and I got to ask you real quick, Roy, uh, in regards to, to the upcoming event uh, with Ronnie Whelan, we've only got actually about a minute before we got to head to another break here. So we've got to keep this relatively brief. But Ronnie Whelan to me is such a fine microcosm of Liverpool's relationship with Ireland and, and, and Irish Liverpool supporters and, and what Liverpool means uh, in, in Ireland and, and even to Irish folks around the world who support Liverpool. Talk about how special that is, that relationship. We talk about international touches uh, with Liverpool, but Liverpool and, and Irish supporters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, Ronnie's 
I won't spoil it for those people going, but Ronnie talks about his early days uh, growing up in Ireland. Um, basically, Ronnie was a Manchester United supporter growing up, uh, because I think in Ireland you're either a Liverpool supporter or you're a Manchester United supporter, and you, you, that's, about, that's about it. Um, and on a weekly basis, when you know, the, the Liverpool play in Anfield, the number of Irish supporters come over is, is just incredible. It really is. And uh, Ronnie does lots of talks in Ireland even now and he does uh, commentating on RTE and it, you know he's still treated like a hero back in Ireland uh, and we have been blessed with you know great players from Ireland as we've been blessed with great players from Scotland um, as well and it, 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 to be a Liverpool supporter for me as you just said it doesn't matter where you're from you could be a Scouse like myself you could be Irish Scottish American it doesn't matter If you love the club, you love the club. As simple as that. Continuing this on the other side of this break, Roy Yates and yours truly, Nate Abarea, right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. The World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Nate Abarea, your host of this fine program. Tweet me at NateWST and tweet all of us at World Soccer Talk. Subscribe to us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. And check out the website, WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you're looking for an advantage when betting on soccer, i got to let you know about a unique open betting platform called FanBet. With FanBet, you can follow your friends and top-ranked bettors to get a wealth of of betting tips to help improve your real money bets. Here's how it works. FanBet runs a weekly contest called FanPlay. Members place bets on Premier League games using betting credits. The game data is analyzed, and the top bettors are ranked according to their success. FanBet allows you to see live picks and betting history of these players by following winning bettors. Logic implies that you will become more successful. Sign up today for your free account at FanBet.com. You log into your FanBet account. You'll see a live stream of picks from winning bettors, each of them ranked based on their average return from their last five bets and then you can add any pick to the odds tracker and fan bet will compare leading bookmakers to give you the best available odds for your money it's as simple as that improve your soccer betting returns with fanbet.com another huge thank you to fanbet for their support of world soccer talk radio roy yates is our guest in this edition of the program talking all about his role as the president of the Florida branch of the official Liverpool Football Club supporters club, as well as the Reds in America website and email newsletter. And it's time to dip into the memory bank here and, and take a little trip down down memory lane with you, Roy. And and I got to ask you going going way back. You talk about coming up on on fifty years of of supporting this club. What is your favorite? early life LFC memory when you dip back into the 1970s what's your favorite Liverpool memory from that period um oh, tough on so many um the 1974 FA Cup final against Newcastle was great because three years earlier we'd been beaten by Arsenal in 1971 uh, Charlie George I mean some the older listeners will know Charlie George but he scored the winner in extra time and it broke my heart I mean I was only seven or eight at the time uh, and the FA Cup then was the, the pinnacle and to lose in the final was terrible so then to go and win it th- three years later and we didn't just win it we absolutely destroyed Newcastle on that day we played some fantastic football in fact some uh, experts think it's one of the greatest performances in the FA Cup final ever um, 
Newcastle had a guy called Malcolm McDonald playing in the front and before the game he was saying what he was going to do the Liverpool defence what he wasn't going to do and Liverpool just dominated him and, and Newcastle the whole game that, that was great and then obviously the, the 1977 European Cup final in Rome uh, before that, the the quarter final when we beat St Etienne at Anfield, when we when David Fairclough super sub scored, uh, and then, you know, about ten minutes to go, I mean that that was just wonderful. And I've been actually lucky to be in David's company many times, and it's just great. I mean, obviously he's very proud to be part of Liverpool's rich history, and that that was a great game. So probably the seventy four cup final, seventy seven Etienne, and the seventy seven. Um, um, European Cup triumph in Rome. Still with us, and, and we transition into into the modern modern era after uh, taking a nice trip back to, to the 1970s there. Roy, uh, you still on the line with us, yes? Yeah, I'm still here, still here. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, so, so we jump into to modern times and, and give us, after, after that nice trip back to the 1970s, we, we, we bypass all sorts of good stuff. Obviously, we, we could talk about the 1980s for hours uh, between us, but... Let, let's talk about modern modern LFC history. Favorite favorite modern memory. I have a feeling we may be heading to Turkey for this one. Yeah, obviously I, I was uh, very lucky to get to to Istanbul. Uh, I was there with a friend and my, my brother, and simply the, the best night of my life. I, I don't think there'll ever be another game like that. Um, but for many reasons, the actual the day itself. It was a beautiful day in Istanbul. The atmosphere before the game. Uh, in Taksim Square was just incredible. Uh, I actually met a lot of friends I hadn't seen for years and years, and there, there was something special about that day. You know, the, there was no way we were going to get beat, and even at three 0 down, I still felt I can't say optimistic, but I still felt that something special might happen. And obviously, when the, the first and second went in, uh, it, you know, it came to fruition that it was. In my opinion, the greatest night in Liverpool history. What do you remember most about the build-up to that match? Because I've heard so many stories from actually a lot of the folks who, uh, uh, the likes of Derek Ray, Tommy Smith, and Janusz Mihalik, uh, who were out there for two weeks on this rooftop in, in Istanbul, actually working for the old uh, ESPN Press Pass back in 2005. The, the stories of how the thing built up, it was this two-week build-up, and Liverpool fans were there in the thousands for no joke, like 14 days in the built-up to this game. What do you remember about, about that aspect of it? I've heard so many great stories from, from Derek, Tommy, and Janusz, and, and so many other stories from Liverpool fans who were there. What do you remember most about the build-up to that thing? Well, I remember leaving South Florida. Um, myself and brother, a friend, we, we flew from Miami. Um, I think we went via Dusseldorf. And we arrived in Dusseldorf, and it was like every Liverpool fan from the four corners of the globe had arrived in Dusseldorf at the same time. There was guys from South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, South America, obviously the U.S. And it was almost like we were going on a holy grail, and we'd all congregate at once, ready for the final push to, the, to Istanbul. And it was absolutely incredible to be in that airport that day, the flags and the singing from around the world. And then, obviously, once we arrived in Istanbul, um, I've never seen anything like it. You know, Taksim Square, all the flags. I've got to be honest, and people have said this, on the day running up to the game, the, you know, two, three hours in the afternoon, I never saw one AC Milan fan. So I don't know where they were. It was just, you know, there must have been 40,000 Liverpool supporters in Taxon Square. Incredible. 
It was it was Scousers and and Reds from around the world, for that matter, taking over Istanbul for 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 fourteen days. It it seemed based on all the the stories I've heard and and pictures and videos I've I've seen. And and then came the match. Then came the match itself. And Paolo Maldini scores that goal fifty one seconds in. And and talk about but before we even get to them being down three nil. Talk about that gut punch 51 seconds in off that free kick from Andrea Pirlo and there's Maldini of all people the ageless Paolo Maldini at the top of the box smacks home this bouncing volley past Jersey Dudek I, I, I remember it vividly what do you remember about that that gut punch feeling in the stands at the Ataturk that night well I think it, it came so quickly in the game that it was hard to take in and I've got to be honest, I wasn't overly bothered because I just thought, well, we've got, you know, still got 90 minutes to pull this back. Um, so it, it was a bit of a shock, but, you know, I, I never at any stage thought that going, you know, 30 minutes later we'll be 3 0 down. I just thought, okay, you know, we, it was a bit of a, a sucker punch, but, you know, onwards and upwards. Um, so, no, I wasn't overly concerned at all. Well, then came the, the divine Kaka turning into to one of the greatest passers of all time for the rest of that first half. A lot of people uh, forget a Sammy Hippie, a header uh, early in that game that was actually straight at Dida, that if it had been either side of Dida, surely would have tied the score at one. Then Liverpool had a very valid penalty claim that was then countered out on by, by Milan, and they ended up scoring their second goal seconds after uh, that, that penalty claim from Luis Garcia and Milan Barros in the uh, Milan box. Kaká assisting uh, Hernan Crespo and the third goal just absolutely exquisite with that chip over Jersey Dudek. Liverpool are down 3-0 at halftime and what I'll never forget and, and I only got a brief little glimpse of it watching way back here in California but it was the Liverpool fans singing You'll Never Walk Alone with the team down 3-0 at halftime and their stories from the players Luis Garcia actually has one of the best of them saying we could hear it through the walls. We could hear the Liverpool fans singing You'll Never Walk Alone at halftime of the Champions League final with us down 3-0, getting absolutely thumped and run off this pitch by this Milan side. What do you remember about halftime in the Ataturk that night? I remember there's actually a very good thing on YouTube with um, Kerry uh, Daglish. And she says, and I, I agree, that she's never heard you never walk alone sung like that before or since. It, it, there, there was a passion there, but also a feeling that, okay, if we get beat, you've st- still done us very proud to get here. And for me, it was the greatest you never walk alone ever. I mean, I know there's been ones at Anfield, the Chelsea games, whatever, but I've never seen or heard you never walk alone sang like that. And, you know, whether the players believed it or not, you know, to, to see those fans. And Steven Gerrard says, you know, he was almost embarrassed and it, he, he didn't really want to go back to Liverpool, you know, being maybe trounced. And Jamie Carey said he, he hoped it just wouldn't be four or five because Jamie obviously is a great student of uh, not just Liverpool football history, but soccer history. And he knew uh, what was like the worst defeat in the Champions League final, European Cup final, and he didn't want Liverpool to beat it. Um, so at that stage, it, it obviously was awful. But still, just to get there, because, you know, supporters uh, had sold, you know, the TVs, the fridges, the cars, just to get to Istanbul. 
and obviously to buy a ticket as well. So there was a wonderful passion there at halftime. Um, and I still, as I said, I, I felt we could do something, whether we could win it, but I thought we might at least score a couple of goals. And obviously uh, we scored more than a couple of goals. Well, in, in six magical minutes from minute 54 to, to minute 60, it went from 3-0 to 3-3. Risa to Gerard, that stunning strike from Vladimir Smitser, one of the oft-forgotten heroes of that night in Istanbul. Smitser, whose Liverpool contract expired two weeks after that Champions League final and definitely someone who was not expecting to, to play a big role uh, in that final came on uh, when Harry Kuehl limped off injured back in the first half. That stunning strike from Smitser and then, of course, uh, Jera getting taken down for the penalty, saved off of the foot of Xavi Alonso by the Brazilian goalkeeper Dida, but Alonso with the rebound, 3-3, the Jersey Dudek heroics uh, in, in extra time, the saves against Shevchenko, and of course, the penalty shootout, and that's the last thing I want to ask you about in regards to Istanbul, and I love that you bring up the intelligence of Jamie Carragher, the true student of the game that is Jamie Carragher, and he's doing oh so well uh, as, as an analyst now that his playing career uh, has wound down. And I surely see Jamie Carragher being a, a manager in, in the Premier League or elsewhere uh, sometime very soon, but he's such a student of history, and he was, according to how the story goes, he was the guy who went to Jersey Dudek and, and had showed him videos of Bruce Grobelar from the 1980s and the famous spaghetti legs of, of Bruce Grobelar and said, hey, Jersey, you should try this if this match goes to penalties. What do you remember about the, the doing the Dudek in the penalty shootout? Yeah, in fact, I've, uh, again, luckily I've been in the, the company of Bruce Grobelar many times. In fact, I did two tours with Bruce uh, not so long ago to the West Coast, uh, and we do laugh about that because uh, Bruce was actually uh, watching the game in South Africa at the time with his friends, and they all commented uh, about uh, Jamie obviously uh, telling Dudek to do the grobbler. Uh, but I've, I've spoken to, uh, to, to Dudek since uh, an event, and he said he really didn't even understand what Carragher was saying because his, his Obviously, his accent is so strong sometimes, and he was getting so worked <laughs> up that he could just about make out one word, grobbler, the rest of it. He didn't have a clue what he was saying. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely beautiful. And whether it's doing the grobbler, whether it's doing the dudek, Liverpool goalkeepers in, in penalty shootouts in European Cup or Champions League finals, I swear I'm, I'm wondering, you know, whether it's five years from now, ten years from now, I'm wondering who the next Liverpool goalkeeper to wiggle his legs uh, between the pipes in a Champions League final is going to be. It's such a fascinating little mini chapter of Liverpool folklore there between Bruce... Grobelar, Jersey Dudek, and, and how Jamie Carragher tied it all together. Roy, before we let you go, let folks know how they can uh, get a hold of you and get in touch with the Reds in America website and get on this email newsletter list. Yeah, uh, um, my email is Roy, R-O-Y, dot, or period they say in the years, Roy dot Yates, Y-A-T-S, at USLFC.com. So just send me an email. I'll put you on the list. It's free of charge. Uh, and we get some real good information. And it's a nice uh, way to meet fellow Reds throughout the United States. So Roy, Roy. Yates at USLFC.com. Roy, absolutely love what you're doing. Can't wait to meet you in person sometime. And you'll never walk alone, sir. Nice one. Take care. Good meeting you. Again, that was Roy Yates. We'll give you that email one more time before we end the show today. We're back after this. Take the express train home right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned.
Hey, another big thank you to Roy Yates, the president of the Florida branch of the official LFC Supporters Club and the man who runs the Reds in America website. And again, that email one more time for all you Reds out there that want to get on that email newsletter, Roy.Yates, that's Yates, Y-A-T-E-S, at USLFC.com. And whether it's Liverpool or whether it's the the people from supporters clubs of of Tottenham here in America that we've had on the show, our our Virginia Spurs down there in in the great state of Virginia, our our Arsenal supporters, our Swansea supporters clubs, our Man United supporters clubs. It's such a beautiful thing that that lives here in the U.S. And people like Roy are to thank for those existing here in America. Again, get in touch with them. Roy Yates at U.S. Roy.Yates at USLSC.com. My name is Nate Abarea, signing off for World Soccer Talk Radio. Talk to you tomorrow. We'll close out the week strong. Love you. Bye for now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.